When we are born, we are swaddled and snuggled, whispered too fussed over, tickled and cuddled. When we grow up, things get muddled, and here it is Christmas time. Will you stop by for a piece of delicious peach pie while I... Hello and welcome to Unicorns episode 336. I'm your host, Mike. Can't think of anything clever today, apps. And here with me as always... Took the blows and did it my way. David McBurney, panel last stream. How's it going? Very good. Yeah. Cooking dinner right now. It's a kitchen! Yes. We're getting you this week. Da, 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 da. Winter break starts today. Woohoo! Hooray! So if we're doing anything next week, I'm definitely open then. We should be. Yeah, we should be. Da, 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 da. Good to have you. Good to have you. We just started recording, in case you weren't aware. <laughs> what? We just started. Have we started? Yes. We literally yeah, we just, just started, started when you popped in. It's <laughs> perfect timing. Well, I just I mean, I turned away for five minutes, came back, was like, oh, yeah, Dave's on. Okay, might as well join in now. Nice. Uh, and that would be our man in Japan, Gaijin Monogatari, Michael Baker. Yeah. And please don't uh, please don't mind the noise. Still cooking stew. Well, we haven't heard any yet, so we should be fine. Okay, good. Because I just hit the knife on something. Oh. <laughs> yep, didn't hear a bit. Didn't hear a bit. Uh, but yeah, uh, second to last episode of the year. Yeah. I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about our year-end stuff, or at least start talking about it. But... We record, we'll, re we'll record next week, right? Yeah. You're, yeah. you're making the assumption I, mean, next I week won't the, po post the next I think he's making the assumption I won't post next week's episode before the year is over. I mean, I did go to RP Gamer and see that last week's episode just was... Not, not important. <laughs> not important. Had it just gone up, like, seemingly <laughs> a few minutes ago. Mike Evans, eternal procrastinator here. Well, you don't get to get—you procrastinated on giving yourself an intro, so that's true. I suppose that counts. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so what are we playing? Uh, well, I, a certain secret Santa sent me a copy of Star Ocean Two. Oh hell yeah! Welcome to the club. Yep. So I'm—I'm I'm about, I'd say, in the. The classic JRPG structure, I'd say about Act 3, where I now have air travel and have to go to multiple different places in no particular order. Oh, shit. Oh, dang. <laughs> you are you are deep into the... You are into what was originally the second disc. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And... Making a good time. Um, yeah, and uh, considering all the stuff I've read, inclu um, including on the comment section of our site's most recent review of this game... Um, mm -hmm. About about uh, pros and cons of the story, I have to say I agree with absolutely everybody. Fair. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, okay, the people who love the story, I can see why the characters are well written. They're they're amusing. The um, the uh, private actions are fun. For those who don't like the story, the plot, the narrative structure is a hot mess. It mostly just but, exists to con to like contextualize you going through dungeons. 
If that, yeah. Um, I mean, I've never seen a game... I mean... I've never seen a game with a central antagonist take so long to give any hint that the antagonist exists. And then he really doesn't do that much. He's just someone you need to go kill. <laughs> and then he shows up with nine of his best friends without context. No hmm. hint that they existed before this. And then you kill him. It's, it's yeah. yeah. It's the the and, the and before characters that, before are that interesting. Before that, we're led to believe that the dollar store devil man knockoff is probably the final boss, and he probably oh, would have done a better job of it. Is he actually? He at least shows up multiple times, um, mm. you know, taunt and blast you off a ship and things like that. So, yeah. All told, um, it's a, it's it's not uh, it is not a game that relies on the strength of its structure, but I think that the things that it does well are interesting enough that it doesn't really drag it down too much. Yeah, no de no denying it's a fun game. At the same time, it's um like the the fact that you that you are you are limited to the number of people you can recruit in any given playthrough. Including the, like, I did not really, I did not remember that Prestis and Bowman were uh, mutually exclusive. Actually. Yep, Bowman yeah. just does yeah. not even offer if you've already picked up Prestis, which leads to the like, what I can only assume is he finds her irritating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, four sets of mutually exclusive characters, plus two that you can't even get, um, you cannot get at all if you've already filled out your team when you find them. Um, yeah, although one of those is, is no loss because no sucks. Yeah. But it's but it's um just honestly the the story suffers a bit just because you cannot rely on anybody actually having anything to say in a major scene. Yeah, they they um, just said it all in the private actions. Yep. If that, because um, I mean there were several points where I was thinking they're. Claude needs to have a conversation with Opera and Ernest very soon. Because nope. of what just happened. And nothing at all, no. They can't do that also because they actually can't guarantee that... If you have Ernest, they can guarantee Opera, but if you have Opera, they can't guarantee Ernest. <laughs> yep. Speaking of which, um, the that particular incident in the Hoffman Ruins should have been the final... should have been the boss of the those ruins. Oh, where you run into, should, like, weird ghost Ernest? Yeah, the ghost that's possessing him. That should have been set up, like, multiple action- or multiple scenes within the ruins. Regardless if Opera's there or not. Maybe cha change the wording if she is, and make him the boss. It would have worked so much better than suddenly, Oh, hey, there's Ernest! What's going on here? Oh, no, he's attacking. Yeah. <laughs> At least they made him not suck in this one. Yeah. He's extraordinarily bad in the original PS1 game. Like, just doesn't function well within the engine. They gave, they made him a lot stronger in the remake. I mean, but there's also the fact that... So for... I'm not quite sure how many hours at this point, my lineup has been Claude, Reyna, Celine, and Opera, because that's the order I got the characters in. Yeah. And I've had zero reason to swap anybody out. The remake is generally balanced easier by virtue of the fact that the combat functions better. 
Mm -hmm. uh, but that does mean that you have less reason to dig out weirder party combinations unless you just feel like it. Yeah. So, um, so I'm just... Okay, it's been... Se I mean, I'm thinking about seven and a half years now to when I played um, Star Ocean Blue Sphere and just comparing the two, uh, like, on point to point. And I'm amazed to say that Blue Sphere has the more coherent story... The I'm not surprised by better that. The better encouragement to actually use all your party members, and it actually gives all the party members. Yeah, I mean, that was the fan service game, so it needed to just include everyone. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, it gives you reasons to swap out characters, too, because you can only have three with you at a time, or three so characters gonna... together at a time, and they have, and they have map functions. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit here and just say... I understand what you're saying. I think that it is fundamentally ignoring what the game is attempting. Yeah. Because what it's I, doing... I, I... Okay. Yeah. So I, I know it's it wants to encourage um, variability and different pathing. It doesn't do, do those things very well, but it's trying that. I mean, I'm it's doing like, it, it, like, it is a game about everything can work. Any, yeah. like, whatever you want to do is viable enough to finish. Yes. And that's good enough. And it has, it is a game with an infinite amount of choices, and none of them are wrong. And I think that that is, honestly, to me, more interesting just because there's there's tons and tons of games that are more traditionally structured Japanese RPGs, especially of its era. Those were a dime a dozen. And one game that's completely like bonkers open and it doesn't all fit together has, to me, infinitely more value than another extremely competent game that does not attempt to be weird. True, but I mean, if I want open and weird, I'll go with Saga or Metal Max. Eh, they're different kinds of open and weird. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's like, Star Ocean 2 just isn't open enough and weird enough. Yeah, it's a more structured game, because it fits in that different set. It, yeah. it is... It is a... It is between these extremes, and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's just the fact that it's trying to play down the middle, it, it's... I mean, it's not doing enough to play down the middle, even. It's like you say, I, um, you can you can do you can do make do with whatever team you come up with, but then nothing gets reflected in the everything every other part of the game. I I, I don't know what you mean by every other part of the game in this context. I mean, just like I was saying, there are points where I I fully expected to have at least some sort of interaction with a different character just because of what was going on, because they obviously would have something to say about it. And, um... There's, there's tons of private actions. That's what those are for. If those aren't good enough for you, yeah. I understand, but that's what they're for. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, within major scenes where everyone, some characters should really be reacting to the sudden appearance of, for example, military-grade space defense forces. <laughs> so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean that um, was an endless problem of like even games that had guaranteed parties. Oftentimes, no one really had anything yeah. to say. Uh, yeah, and I'd complain about that too. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm just saying, like, it is also a product of its time. Yeah. Honestly, it's it's reminding me quite a bit of Chrono Cross in that way. So. Mm, no, don't see it. <laughs> but I'll take it. Lots your of characters, not much to say. Um, None of these are an accent filter, so... There is that! There's... Like, they may not say anything in the... Uh in the story, but when you do actually take them aside and talk to them, they have unique things to say that are measured by what is what has happened and who you are who you have with you. Which is yeah. more than can be said for something like a Chrono Cross. True enough, true enough. Like I said, I, I could I could listen to the people who go on about how great the story is and the people who go on about how awful the story is, and I can agree with I can really agree with both of them. That's that's a um, bizarre thing to me because I, I I've literally never heard anyone talk up the game story. <laughs> like it's always um, been a game that I've heard people talk about, like loving characters or mechanics, but never anything about its actual plotting. Let's see. Oh, uh, where was I? I just remember it was. I got a, a strangely large number of comments on the review that's where i'm huh. focusing on but i've i've seen maybe i'm just hanging on reddit too much lately okay. i mean I that's usually the case with anything to do with reddit so yeah run away like it's a, it's a game that i love but it was it was never a strongly plotted game and you always had to sort of dig for the characterization but i think that's also part of the fun of it is that you run into like there's, the characters are well sketched enough that you can, uh, there's things to latch on to, but as with many things, people like putting their own spin on things, and there's definitely plenty of unused space for each character to make your own interpretations. Yep. Yeah, the, the first comment on the review was basically like, um, saying that in his recollection, the story was fantastic. I'm like, okay. It's can... nice to remember things, but sometimes yeah, you need to I think mean, about whether yep. you're remembering them right. Yeah, there's definitely nostalgia goggles going on here. Mm. Like, I, I've, I've strenuously replayed the game, like, once every five or so years since it came out. So, like, I definitely have a lot of nostalgia for it, but I have a keen idea of what it actually contains. Yeah. Oh well, I mean, <sighs> yeah. I mean, as far as the game itself, it's just I'm, I'm, I'm kind of. What? What's right here? I'm just thinking the pacing is just really weird in this game. That's all I can think about. Um, the second half is basically all just like go get these things done. The game will stop when you're done. <laughs> There's also a semi-hidden way to get back to the first half of the game. Good mm -hmm. luck. <laughs> but, yeah. So I can't tell. Do you like the game? <laughs> or have I given you something you dislike greatly? Oh, no, I mean, I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, That's good. Yeah. I would hope so, given how much you, how far you've gotten into it already. <laughs> but yeah, 
it's, it's just like I, I get to the tower and Harley and I'm like, okay, um, this does not, I mean, this looks like, a, I know that this cannot be a final boss level, it looks like a final boss level, it's supposed to be a fake out for one, I'm sure. This is probably the end of disc one in the original game. It is! And, and it really does not feel like, I mean, it does not feel like it has had the lead up to what it sh looks like it should be. It sure worked and, and out again, better than fact, playing Star Ocean 1 on the Super NES, though. I played Star Ocean 1 on the Super Famicom. Yeah, that, yeah. that game uh, at the end point just sort of realizes that it is out of cartridge space and the developers are out of money and just sort of says, here's a final dungeon. Yeah, at I've that played point, like that. I don't think people really expected much better. Xenogears, uh, disc two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I find the existence. Sorry, I'm just looking at Wheels' stream. I find the existence of Teddy in your fucking Atrian <laughs> Odyssey party really off-putting. Teddy, I made him one of the debuffing class, so just so I can say berry poisonous. Oh lord. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, play much else other than some than Star Ocean Two. Oh, I've got one or two things to start up soon. As soon as I'm finished with Star Ocean Two, but mm -hmm. maybe maybe next week. Yeah, we might see. We might hear about that next time, listeners. Uh, also, it sounds like Joe popped in at some stage. Hello, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I was listening politely. Homer Simpson smiling politely. You have uh, to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. Okay, what have you been playing, Joe? Oh, well, <laughs> I've been playing. <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing Star Ocean. <laughs> Second story. My son is also And I um, I didn't play much of the original game, but I really like this remake. And while you were talking about how weird the game is, of course, I hear the voice of Frank Reynolds saying, "You know, I only have so much time left, so I'm gonna get weird with it." <laughs> so I don't know how many more JRPGs I'm going to play in my life, but I want them to be weird. Well, up next, next year, Saga Emerald Beyond. Yes! <laughs> yes. I, yes. <laughs> I think I played a little bit of Saga Frontier, but that's it, though. That, oh, man, that's what a... Emerald Beyond looks most like, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It looks a lot like Saga Frontier on steroids. we got to get you to yeah, go full with... Saga, Joe. <laughs> With some and of the plus, mechanics and like Scarlet the Grace pulled in. Yeah. Uh -huh. it, yeah. It's just that it's just got such an interesting cast of characters going up. Got a real vibe. It's... Got a real vibe. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. And Star Ocean, I'm I'm at the point where I'm just about to enter the tournament and the oh the Lacor tournament of arms. Yeah. Yeah. So and and I don't know and I started as Reina and we, we've discussed this before so i mean i haven't made any more progress actually i haven't been playing anything different from what i was describing on last thursday and then probably again on sunday just uh mm -hmm. i mean i did jump back into far cry 6 turns out i'm 75 percent in so it's like okay maybe i should go back and finish that um, so this would be a, this would be an easy get for last game to finish this year <laughs> yeah um so it's on Game Pass now. I own a, an Xbox copy, of course. Um, 
but I was describing how I wanted to try it out on PC because now that I have a graphics card that can actually do ray tracing and PC version has it. Well, I don't know. It's either a good or bad thing, depending on how you look at it, that, you know, you put the PC version on ultra settings at 4K looks slightly better. So it does go to show you how powerful the Series X can be when you have a game that's actually pretty well optimized. Um, so yeah, it looks slightly better and I got to see what it looks like with ray tracing, which is almost indiscernible from my eyes anyways. And as much as I love to brag about these features, it's like, yeah, I can't always see them, I admit it. <laughs> I can't always see the difference, but um, no, but that's a neat game. So it was also 130 gigabytes. So it's like, okay, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to keep Game Pass going forever again. And I already own the game on Xbox. It's like, yeah, okay. So it was fun to see that. So then I installed the new Forza game, which is not really a game. It's a full-on simulator. So I like the Forza Horizon games because they're fun. Yeah, those are the arcadey ones. Yeah, your car can flip up in the air and you can fully upgrade all your vehicles. It's great. But then those are the regular, regular Forza is literally just driving in circles. It's like, oh, I could just watch NASCAR and get the same amount also, of it's fun. It, yeah. it is. It is quite literally the same kind of game as Gran Turismo. Yeah, so... Um, played that for, I don't know, maybe an hour or so, and... Computer handles it well enough, but it's like, yeah, okay, I don't... I don't need to keep playing this. Um, it's not... I, I'm not the target audience, I'm okay with that, no big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I did try that, and then, uh... Let's see... Still farming some purple coins in Mario Wonder to get the rest of the standees. You so don't have the, to do this, Joe. So I can get the sixth medal. Well, actually, it kind of worked out because uh, last night I did a stream of Mario Wonder. So it was, it was a live stream on Twitch, but it was basically a review in which I was mm. just farming purple coins in some of my favorite levels. So it mm. was like, okay, this kind of makes sense. Um, so that's, that's up on Twitch. That'll get over to YouTube because nothing went horribly wrong during that stream. So, hooray! Yeah, and I did do a live stream of Star Ocean 2, and um, I, I don't know, to me, it's like I've played, you know, what, five hours of it, and it's like I, I give it a 9 out of 10 so far. It's just, it's my kind of game. It's, I don't know. I thought it was neat. So, yeah, so still working just on those videos. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. Um, and I don't believe in perfect scores, so Mario Wonder is a 9.9. You <laughs> so, just say that your scores go to 11 and then never go there. <laughs> yeah, but but this goes to 11. No. Um, spinal Tap, anyone? No. Okay. Yeah. Two-word review. Shit sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what did I think was a shit sandwich this year? Uh, Starfield was a shit sandwich. F099 is a shit sandwich. Um, making it worse. Uh, You're making it worse. Atomic Heart was a shit sandwich. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, oh, that's that it. Was, so. That was the Bioshock looking thingy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Bioshock Infinite, but communist Russia in the future, sort of. But that I don't sounds know. awesome. Why? <laughs> well, no, the, the setting is the best part, but you got bad... when you actually had to play it. <laughs> right, it, it had, like, lousy combat and a crappy protagonist oh. and weird platforming sections that ultimately made oh. me rage quit and uninstall because I couldn't get through them. Oh. 
And because I'm like, what the fuck do you people want me to do here? I don't get it. I keep falling to my death. And yeah, no, Atomic Heart kind of sucked. Um, so let's see what else. I gotta get back into Fire Emblem Engage. That's Engage. something. Yeah, I know. You I and me both, sir. You um, and, me both. and I think I'm very close to the end of Pikmin Four, so that's something else to finish off. That's a good hopefully. Game. Over the next week, yeah, and, and cover that for my segment. And that to me, that's like a nine point five or something. I don't know. Mm. My scores are kind of arbitrary. I don't have a numbers are system. So you're a gamer here. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. You know that I worked at RP Gamer for a year, and by the end of that, it's like okay. From for the rest of my life, my reviews are going to be just completely subjective and wonky and. <laughs> I don't want to sound like a robot anymore. Well, you got out before numbers, you played something like Mugen Souls and lost your mind. Uh, oh, Listen, that uh, was not even the only game like that. <laughs> I sometimes think about the fact that like the lowest score you ever gave something was not to the game that actually put you to sleep. Uh, which one was that? That was Tears to Tiara too. Oh, because I liked the battle segments. Those didn't put me to sleep. Yeah, but you would like. I would. I remember I like being talking to you while you were playing that like three times, and every single time you would get partway through a story segment and fall asleep. It's it's very true because they were so boring. It was so boring, <laughs> and it's not even. It's not even like the game story was like something I wasn't interested in. It was like some weird, weirdo version of Europe, and. It was it was actually interesting. It was just back when it was on PC, there was a lot of weird fucking. Yeah, that wasn't in this version. That probably would get me away. <laughs> yes, because it was on the PS3. But the, everyone just wouldn't shut the fuck up. Just I get it. I get it. I get what's going on in the story. Just move the fuck up. <laughs> Why are you still talking? Oh, the, the bane of the B tier visual novel. And this probably ruined visual novels for me. Like, I'm not against... I probably can't play a pure visual novel. I'm not against the idea of something that mixes, like, a visual novel with something like a turn-based strategy. That sounds great. But if the story is just insanely verbose just like, and annoying as fuck, then... Just like, a, just like a real novel. If it's, if it's badly written, you end up wanting to close the book. Yes. <laughs> oh, wheels. It could be worse. I, I once got this one game that was, I was under the impression it was a visual novel tactics combination. Oh, yeah, I remember you and talking I, about I that. did not pay close enough attention to the labeling to realize that this was the story scenes only version of the game. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Got through the Somehow, entire was, thing without just, ever finding oh, a gameplay no. thing. Yeah, I was like, what's going on here? Because I was just, I was actually watching Clone Wars on YouTube while going through this thing because it was. It had been on my shelf for a while, and I was doing a, okay, give it an evening and then sell it. And a couple years ago, I was making, I mean, first daughter was born, I was trying to clear out space. And I went three hours into this thing without a single fight. I was like, what's going on here? God. I mean, there's six episodes of Clone Wars, and I'm more interested in Clone Wars. What's going on here? <laughs> and it turns out, yeah, it was the story-only version of the game. Well, hey, Clone Wars Incredible. is pretty great, so. Yeah. I would love to actually. I would have loved it more if it actually were a Clone Wars tactical visual novel game. Mm. This would have been I feel like there's a time, an alternate universe, where that existed on the DS. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So have Gendy Tartakovsky do the um, produce, uh, produce it, and like, yeah, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, awesome. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Fire Miner, to talk about Tears to TR2 again. I'm so sorry. Oh, oh, did we trigger some bad memories? He just no, no. He Fire just asked, "Are we talking about yeah. it again?" Like, I'm sorry. And I just responded with some things <laughs> eternally recur. When a game hurts me, I don't shut up about it. Like, which. We're gonna have. Right. I, did, I believe I we're closing in on ten years of moving Yeah, and, and I'm sorry, Fire. I apologize in advance, Fireminer. We're gonna have to talk about Horizon Forbidden West once we get. To oh me. God damn it! We don't. Um, well, I have nice actually. Not actually an RPG. Let's go for it. Hang on. On the topic of what I've been playing lately, I did jump back into that game to try to finish the Burning Shores DLC. Um. And on another note, why do you think I still complain about World of Warcraft and Hearthstone and Destiny 2 sometimes? Because those games did hurt me. They really did. Don't play Blizzard games. Got it. Um, well, actually, I like Diablo 4 so far, which mm. might, might be an unpopular opinion. but eh, It depends upon... Like, if you're talking to people who play tons and tons of games, yeah, probably. If you're talking to people who just want to play in a, a game where they can attack things and grind... Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's actually what I like about it, is that the story is stupid nonsense that I'm not even paying attention to. I just like to waltz around and just shoot demons with arrows. Oh, yeah, that's, the, that's what I mean. Like, I think that yeah. the, the, the people who are hardcore into RPG audience, like, are more likely to be deeply critical of a lot of different aspects of Diablo. But if you just wanted to, you know move around and kill things and grind and enjoy that zen state it yeah. makes sense i mean right and and Diablo for the record i like a huge yep. audience like beyond those yeah. weird people that want to play tons and tons of path of exile and do all kinds yeah. of those people things. i i know one of those people he's a very nice person yes. extremely terrifying yes, uh, Pew has <laughs> i'm just thinking now just hearing the expression still tree is horrifying <laughs> yeah I keep thinking now, every time I hear somebody say kill things and grind, I'm imagining a like a retro-futuristic version of Diablo set in a rave scene in the 80s. I'd play that. Yeah. That Sounds exists. more interesting. That yeah. exists. It's called um, the, Ascent, the Ascent or The Ascension. Hold on. Huh. Oh, really? There is a, a top-down... Oh, no, I'm sorry. There is an isometric top-down... Um, kind of twin-stick shooter Diablo-esque cyberpunk game called The Ascent, which was on Game Pass. One of the first Game Pass... Well, actually, no, one of the first games that actually required a Series S or X to play. Hmm. Yeah. I look into that. And did a great job with ray tracing and very good writing. I, I didn't finish it because it does get like very, very difficult. And... Um, okay. No, yeah. Well, congratulations check, check, check. on manifesting this into existence, Gaijin. <laughs> I was going to say, we need we need some version of Rule 34 for video game concepts. So it's uh, not 80s and it's not rave, that. but it's cyberpunk and Diablo-ish. So. Cyberpunk yeah. is honorarily <laughs> 80s because close, of the yeah. nature of its yeah. genre. Okay. Alright, cool. Yeah, Yeah. check that okay, out. Well then, I, um, that was neat. <laughs> okay, then, let, let's imagine, okay, Legend of Zelda, the Stratocaster Sword from our old April Fool's reviews yes let's, let's manifest that, that into existence <laughs> you, you remember that one god that's been a long time <laughs> yeah i mean that was like 
14, 15 years ago, I guess. I don't even remember who wrote that particular one, but just the idea of a combination Grand Theft Auto Legend of Zelda where the controller is the guitar hero. Uh, guitar. I mean, we, if, we wait, if we wait just a bit longer for Guitar Hero to come back into vogue, we might see it. <laughs> yeah. Play Hi-Fi Rush. Now, so could be close to that. Remember when they tried to bring Rush. back Guitar Hero? Hi-Fi uh, Rush I played the first few great. levels. That was really cool. Yeah, because that's um, basically he has a guitar. You do attack and... with a guitar. It's not open world, though. So Yeah, it's a rhythm-based game. Hi-Fi Rush 2. <laughs> but I, I was very happy when, um, during the first boss fight, there's a Nine Inch Nails song playing, and that just made Oh, yeah, day. no, that was fantastic. Yeah, so, um, yeah. First album I ever bought was Pretty Hate Machine. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Um, let me think, because I... <laughs> hmm. Let me think. What was the first, um... Well, when I first got a CD player, I got Simpsons Songs in the Key of Springfield. Mm -hmm. um, that was my first CD, and, and my mother bought it for me. But then I also got, like, one of the first hard rock albums I got was Korn's Follow the Leader. <laughs> and I got Kid Rock. Um, you know, the You're one really that painting had... a picture of a very specific time. I am. Um... <laughs> Devil Without a Cause, it was called, and had Baw with the Baw, whatever the fuck that means. Um, <laughs> Doesn't mean anything, but it sure I sounded cool at the time. One, two. And, and I liked the how that one. Yes. The, the art on the CD itself was just a middle finger. It was great. I loved it yeah. when I was. That's, that's exactly 13. what your teenage soul needs. <laughs> I was in middle <laughs> school. Thinking, Judge me. And then I. One of my first CDs was The Pyrrhagant Suite. So, weird. Okay. <laughs> And then I also got, um, let's see, what, oh, what did I get? I got the Matrix soundtrack. That had oh, that was Rage Against the Machine, Deftones, uh, Prodigy. That had a lot of weird like industrial stuff though. on it. Yeah, no, it was awesome. And, yeah, you would want industrial bands. for the Matrix. <laughs> and then, um, oh, actually, funny, interesting fact about the Matrix. There's a part in the movie, remember the part where he's... He falls asleep in front of the computer with the headphones on, and then Trinity's mm -hmm. talking to him, and then the dude knocks on the door, and the girl with the white rabbit tattoo. Yeah. yeah. There's a song playing yeah. on his headphones that's not on the soundtrack. It is Dissolved Girl by Massive Attack. Dang. Wow. Yeah. It's a deep cut. Yeah. I have that album, uh, Mezzanine. Great album. Um, mm -hmm. Listen to it on my turntable. I have it on vinyl. Huh? Nerd. Nerd. Yeah. But that's a fun album to practice scratches with, you know, or scribbles or whatever mm -hmm. the fuck they're called. And yeah, um, yeah. So then, then I got really, really into Limp Biscuit. <laughs> we all have things we regret. Remember when well, Fred Durst was in a fighting game? Was he? He was. Was he in? He's in the Fight Club games? video game. No, he is in the Fight Club video game. Why? 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 I don't know. Ugh. Abraham Lincoln is also in that video game. Well, yeah, because that was a reference from the movie. That did, doesn't make it not insane. <laughs> that game what, came oh, out like six wait, years wait, after hold the on. What about Hemingway? Is Hemingway in the game? He is not. They are uh. <laughs> But yeah, that game was that game came out like six years after after the movie. 
It's just like, why did we bother? Why did anyone bother? Did Genuinely dreadful. I, th I think that's Chuck Palahniuk's um, response to anything involving the movie to begin with. Why do we bother? Well, I mean, he liked the book. He liked the movie's uh, ending better, as I recall. Really? Because yeah. the... Uh, not like not the, the movie itself. Better. Anything else to do with the movie after the fact, oh, because okay. he's oh like, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, like you, it's like guys, guys, Durden is not supposed to be the hero. <laughs> Idiot, you fucking morons. <laughs> well, in the movie, he shoots himself and kills the alter ego, <laughs> but in the book, he dies and goes to heaven. And God is like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would not have the tone of the movie at all. Yeah, that, yeah, I like the ending of the movie better. Yeah. Don't worry, Chuck does too. <laughs> um, I read Choke, but I think that got made into a movie that I didn't, I didn't watch, though. I recall that being the case, yeah. Fight and Club also had its twist completely knocked off by Rockstar's <laughs> dreadful uh, Manhunt 2. Oh, God. <laughs> No one remembers that game, so no one remembers the, the ending. It's just like, oh, it turns out the guy who's been giving you instructions is your alternate personality, you idiot, you fucking moron. Wow. Uh, Isn't that game on you Wii? kindly thing from it was, it was It was on the Wii and PSP for some reason. <laughs> that is a weird combination. Would you kindly? It was common at the time. I would not kindly. Very poisonous. <laughs> Oh. That doesn't have anything to do with anything. So, so while we've been talking, I've been playing Mario Wonder, and I think I just have to farm about four hundred more purple coins. I don't know how much that, how Can much, many you're getting anymore. Can we the word "have to"? Okay, that's several words. I'm already an idiot. Can remove we, the phrase? Can we move remove the phrase "have to" from that sentence? Well, one of my motivations here is. Um, I already beat the game, so I agreed to let my two nieces borrow it. Oh, and so uh, you want to be done, done. I want to be completely 100% done, so then maybe I could just be like, eh, keep it. That's oh, sweet of you. You're the fun uncle. So, there, <laughs> the there fun is a. Uncle. There is a. Yeah, there is a reasoning behind it. You want closure. Well, if you want to call me Funkle, I, that actually sounds cool. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Grand Funkle Railroad, wait, no. Uh, let's see. Uh, Sometimes I go by um, Teo Jose. Hmm. Also, people should know that they can find you on Twitch at twitch.tv slash. Oh, yeah, if you want to want to plug, that's great. Yeah, um, the, the schedule is uh, inaccurate, um, unfortunately, and I've been looking to update that, but... Um, I've also just been putting some videos straight to YouTube, so um, as part of my holiday buying guide, I'm actually going to do a video where I talk about the new Death Clock movie and album, so unfortunately for copyright reasons, I won't be able to include any of the actual music, but <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's what words are for. Yeah. Didn't know about Death yeah. Album? <laughs> Death, Death Album Death 4? I, well, so far, I think Death Album 4 is better than 2 and 3. If That's I can be so old. Yeah. So. So some Fish. of the songs from the movie 
are on the soundtrack, but then there's also a separate soundtrack that has like the actual score and some other songs. So it's like there's actually two albums if you think about it. It's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, My brain eternally has the line from the fucking early in the show. Fish don't got no good metal to listen to. <laughs> okay. It's uh, it makes exactly as much sense in context. Does it, that sounds like a Toki thing to say. I think it was Squizgar that said that, but yeah. Okay. Squizgars. Oh, and in other news, my uh, my heater is making a chirping noise, and the that's concerning. <laughs> maintenance guy came out and looked at it and told me that it was the fan making the noise, and it doesn't do it when you put the fan on the lower settings, and he was wrong. Because it only, it only does it just before the heat kicks on. It's one of those, um, it's a Daikin unit that is heat, air conditioning, fan, humidifier, all in one with a remote. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't yeah. do it on the AC or the fan, only does it when uh, just before the heat kicks on. Hmm. But this apartment has another heat source there are vents in the bathroom and the kitchen that i can use instead if the noise becomes unbearable and those are louder unfortunately but and then he said that they're planning on replacing all of the units in all of the apartments sometime next year it's like oh all right okay i guess i'll wait (laughs) right i don't so basically what i got out of it was it's not that annoying (laughs) yeah what, what i got out of it was we can't do anything about it Anyways, you'll get a new one soon. Anyways, like there's no way we can convince them to just replace it now. But anyways, yeah. Um. Hey, did we all finish our Christmas shopping? Yeah, mostly. Um, technically. Good. We'll go with mostly. <laughs> I finished mine. So my my dad's birthday is December nineteenth, and he's usually in town for the holidays. So. Usually when he's in town, we always end up watching Bob Ross somehow, like on Hulu or <laughs> YouTube, because Sounds I have like memories of, accident. yeah, it is, yeah, mm-hmm. nice, nice little happy trees, and um, I have memories of being a kid in the living room, and he'd be watching Bob Ross, and I thought it was the most boring, stupid show ever, but I would be, I would try to talk to him, and he would shush me and, and get mad at me for talking while he was trying to watch and but then i started watching bob ross as an adult and i'm like this is awesome this is zen man and so so usually when he's in town we somehow end up watching bob ross at some point so i got him a bob ross calendar and a bob ross coffee mug so he can have nice bob ross paintings to look at every day Um, bob ross Ross is one of those guys whose, whose biography is just one of the most interesting things you could read yeah, that's bizarre. Where Fire he started says, where he... <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Um, Fireminer just said, oh no, you've become your dad. Yep. I am my dad 100%. I, you know what? I, I admit it. It's just say, be the kind of dad that you don't mind your son turning into. There we go. Yeah. Fair point. And, uh, so what you're saying wasn't Bob, is next wasn't Bob Ross a, uh, was he a drill sergeant? Yes, he was. <laughs> and when he got out of the military, he decided he was never going to be that loud again. Wow. Yeah, it was Can't not, it was not something he wanted to be when he had the choice. <laughs> yeah. I'd like yeah, to I'm also like, say, shit. so what I'm what I'm sensing is that me and Wheels have to get together and send you a Bob Ross Chia pet next year. I'll take it. 
Um, I'm not surprised it does exist. Okay. It, 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 it makes perfect sense, given his iconic hair. <laughs> yes. Thing is, um... Last time my dad was in town, we... Um, I've watched The Americans before. I've watched every episode. But we were looking for something to watch, and I said, Oh, I think you might like this. And we watched a couple episodes, so then I found the entire series on DVD on sale on Amazon, so I grabbed that for him. Nice. Okay, question. Have you shown him the um, um, Epic Rap Battles of History episode, Bob Ross versus Pablo Picasso? Oh. That sounds amazing. Horrified. That sounds insane. Yes. <laughs> I heard a story about Picasso once. Um, mm -hmm. A He was in a restaurant and he was just doodling on a napkin. And the waitress was like, oh, can I have that? He's like, sure, yeah, that'll be, you know, like, it's something like, that'll be $300 or something. And she was like, but it only took you you know, 10 minutes to draw it. He said, no, it took me 80 years to learn how to draw that, actually. Fair point. I, yeah. I, was it Picasso or Dali who made the point of pay, um, of always paying with check for these huge restaurant bills and then never worrying about the check bouncing or clearing because they never cashed it? <laughs> it would just Fair frame the, the... They would frame his signature on the check and that, wow. and that would never... That was worth the cost of the food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. That's awesome. Time is melting, don't you know? Mm -hmm. Okay, so just to get the show a little back on track. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is a video game show. Oh, and one other thing, you may have discussed this already, but um, do you know who just purchased Etrian Odyssey 2 for the host? Ooh. Oh, could it have been you? Maybe. Because... True. I asked him if his wish list was up to date. He said yes. I got him Dragon Quest Treasures. And he texted and said, Oh, I already have that on Switch. I said, Okay, so it's okay. Great job, you can, dipshit. You can <laughs> you decline say it. That I texted you with great yes. and overwhelming regret. <laughs> yes, you did. So I was like, Okay, well, that's fine. Just decline it and update your wish list and put your priorities at the top. And then Etrian Odyssey 2 was the top item. And I said, okay, that, okay, that's fine. We'll do that. Yes. And I can say so. already that this is much better than, like, I, okay. st I still have, like, some of the auto mapping on just because drawing the map, drawing the walls is still annoying, even with the mouse. But, like, just doing anything with the, the map is so much easier on PC than on anything else. Uh, yeah. I could never find, like, a good interface for doing that with a controller yeah it's just not it's not ideal Six. Mm. miss the 3ds 3ds don't continue. miss you like, 3ds is quietly retired how many i was gonna say how many copies of the 3ds hardware do you own it's not important that's not <laughs> more or less than five uh oh. more thought so just say yeah, only we... plus one since last year. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say, um, the only, only Etrian Odyssey game I really got into for a while was Persona Q. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. That's fun. Mm. It's it's a particular subgenre that does not speak to everybody. Yeah. No, it does not. And 
that that game was like the reason I finally caved and got a 3DS. Um, but thankfully, I found other games that I liked as much or more. I, you know, like mm -hmm. Pokemon Sun and. Speaking of 3DS games that are trapped on 3DS, uh, hey, uh, Nintendo, please put Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds on anything yes, else. Please, please, yes. thank you. Um, game's important and completely trapped. But here, I, I will give you the list right now. I have one original 3DS, one 3DS XL. Yeah. Uh, the original 3DS and the 3DS XL are both Japanese. Two new okay. 3DS XLs. Wait, what? What? Because one's a special Monster Hunter edition. Okay, but why did you need a second? Or was that the second? I didn't like taking the Monster Hunter one anywhere. So I was worried I was going to lose it. Okay. No DSi. Fireminer, we're only talking about 3DSs here, okay? I'm embarrassing myself enough. <laughs> okay, so you're still only at four. Okay, so uh, two new 2DSs, one okay, why one US, <laughs> one Japanese, and note this was before those were purchased before it was generally easy to hack at 3DS. Okay, that puts us at six. Okay, uh, and one 2DS. And that one was a in a used game store. Hey, this is cheap. Why the fuck not? Because you don't need it. Because you had yes, I know, but my things. brain doesn't work like that, dude. The next time uh, that you have this question, please oh, text me shit. so I can tell you to fuck oh, off. I, I forgot. I forgot this one. This is. <laughs> I forgot. What? <laughs> you new, forgot that you have an eighth. The new two D. <laughs> the new three three DS non XL. Yeah, I was wondering, that seemed weird that that wasn't on the list. Yeah. So what you're saying is you have at least one of every official revision of that piece of hardware. That is correct. So let me ask you, um, on the 3DS, can you still re-download stuff? Yes. Okay. You just can't buy new stuff? Correct. Okay. And do you think they'll rescind that policy, or do you think that's how it's always going to be? can't see why they would unless something really weird happens. I think they got a lot of backlash when they completely shut down the Wii Shop channel and then wouldn't even let you re-download purchase content. Mm -hmm. But you could re-download the purchase content. I, no. It's, I, I hit a point where it just I opened the shop channel and just would not do anything, I think. Yeah, I mean... I but would, then again, I have no desire to own a Wii anymore anyways. So. I mean, I would love for them to, but at this point, it's just like, well, I'm just going to hack some 3DSs then and install the things I can't buy. Because you won't let me buy them. So there you go. The only time I re... Um, the only time I buy like a console I already have is so I can trade the original one towards it. You know, like if it's a PS4 to PS4 Pro, etc. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really have a good reason for most of these. Yeah. Uh, and again, it's not like I bought them all in one year. This is over the course of a decade. Yeah. So to, to answer Fireminer's question, I only bought the Switch OLED so that I could just sell the uh, 
regular one and mitigate the cost. And because the Joy-Cons were starting to go, and it's like, oh, I don't want to have to buy new fucking Joy-Cons for this. Remember the time when you could buy handheld consoles like buying a piece of collectible? Yes. I do not do that with Switch. Because it doesn't make any sense. I'm looking it up, actually. I did the Wheels, where I've been... Where I've been going with all of this is, would you consider selling one of those 3DS systems or no? Yes. <laughs> okay. Would you like a hack? I'll sell you the 3DS. 3DS. <laughs> uh, a hacked 3DS. What can it do? Um, play everything. Play, games? play everything. <laughs> hmm. I'm interested. Yeah, I will also bring up that I decided to look this up, and you can still re-download Wii Shop games. Really? They put, yeah, they put a notice on the website that, like, eventually this option will be discontinued at some point in the future, exact date, TBD. That's oh. straight from Nintendo's website. Okay. Hmm. Not that it matters anymore, but... Forgot that this fucking doctor in Etrian just looks like Derek Stiles from Trauma Center. Oh, is that an Atlas game? Yes. No. Okay, it checks out then. I'm also annoyed at having Teddy in this game. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Well, uh, yeah, I installed the game and then I happened to be looking at the page and it's like, DLC! Oh. Teddy! Teddy? <laughs> Edward. Okay, Everything's so let's, up let's quickly, we, we do need to eventually get through the games we've been playing. Yes. Wheels, what have you been playing? Uh, someone suggested to finally burn through the story of Horizon Forbidden West, which is actually good. The story, I mean, not necessarily the gameplay. The open world bit, not so much. Yes, put it on <laughs> put it on story mode, and that will make it easier. Uh, which it did, combat wise. Which because combat just feels stupidly tedious in the game. Um, so I played some more of that. Got into a new story bit in like a dungeony platforming area and immediately met some annoyances uh, partly because I spent like 10 minutes trying to figure out well how do I get across this platform and then remember oh you have a glider in this game which is easy to forget <laughs> because unlike Breath of the Wild the open world doesn't necessarily have a ton of areas there's nothing worth finding you can glide around in uh, but other than that, it's just like, I feel like I'm playing a game from 10 years ago in some of these platform sections. Like, just, just like bad Uncharted platforming sections. And Uncharted platforming was already bad. Yeah, it wasn't the best, and eventually they just mostly used it for, like, set pieces. I mean, it was basically vestigial from part from from the off. Like yeah. it was a Gears of War game that had things where it said you were platforming, but you couldn't actually select a wrong choice. <laughs> there was no actual meaningful traversal there, and for some reason, like a dozen, like tons of AAA games decided, that, oh yes, this is how platforming should be, and it's like, oh good, I get to not move. Yeah. So, Sorry, I'm still I'm still bitter about how sh how much Uncharted unintentionally made AAA games shittier. Yeah, and I just feel like this is suffering from that. It's just like this is a cool setting. So gameplay kind of sucks. Like mm -hmm. this is not good. It's really not good. 
Uh, you know that way about a lot of Sony's like bread and butter games. Yeah. Like this is kind of a cool setting. There's some decent writing. I like actually playing this is monstrously tedious. Yeah, like I feel like. Uh, oh, distracted by Fireminer's question. 3D Glide. I no, I I don't know. Uh, but but anyway, just yeah, that's not what I'm familiar yeah. with. This from the trailers for this game, it looked like okay, you've taken some lessons from Breath of the Wild, and then playing it, it's like very you have very much not. You've learned nothing. You've learned nothing. You're still trying to just be a prettier version of a game that felt old. Yes. You're still being an like, early to mid tens Ubisoft open world game. The first game felt old, like half a decade ago, and it got by because it was a cool new setting with really good combat, with an open world that was bad. And this game, just even like this, it's just like I just want to get to the next story bit, and you're making me do this, just garbage, just like pure garbage. Uh, this this uh, game needs a better identity of like like gameplay wise. Like the actual game yes. needs to be like the the writing characters like those yeah, are cool. Those, those are great. Those are really great. And while I'll be sad not to have um, oh my god, why is my brain losing the voice actors' names? My brain is saying Lance Reddick, voice, but yes, I can't Lance Reddick. I'll be sad not to have him in the next one. Like it's it's still a good story. It's a cool world. Which lots of ways they can take it. And you now I haven't even beat this game, so I'm sure there's more cool story bits. But gameplay-wise, the series needs to find its identity, and it needs to find it fast, or this this series is going to crash hard. <laughs> I can yeah. just feel it. Because mm -hmm. it means I this game is already outshined immediately by Elden Ring and... Like I said, I can't fucking wait for Horizon 3 because whenever that comes out, something incredible is going to yes. come out and completely overshadow it. Uh, to contract, can contrast this, I've also... Um, so we uh, lost power on Monday. And I was mm -hmm. just sitting around at the Switch looking for something to play. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to... I'm going to play Tears of the Kingdom in a while. I'm going to play that. And that was just like... This game just like added on to an open world from the first game and it feels like a million times better and fresher than this sony piece of shit <laughs> wow like how is this possible <laughs> we're gonna have to dig into a piece of news relating to that actually which, but... which thing the some of the info people have no no the the sony piece of shit thing oh okay because of the recent hacking uh, but but yeah to, to talk about something better like tears of the kingdom uh, i finished up like the the dungeon in the desert mm -hmm. which was mm -hmm. just so cool yeah like one cool <laughs> thing i could do i I've, i accidentally did was like oh i used the ascend ability and ended up in the boss room <laughs> which is fine there's a way to get out of there but it's i just thought that was, that was fun. it's cool that you could do that at all yes and that the game realizes it doesn't like freak out when it happens it's just like yeah nothing activates in here you still have to go find the other thing you haven't you haven't caused the boss to be but yes but that, try that dungeon is so so freaking awesome i loved it 
I'm very the curious what the next game good. will look like. People have been asking them, like, are you going to do another direct sequel? And they're like, we've pretty much tapped this world. Like, this version of Hyrule we're basically done with. Yeah. So I'm curious uh, how similar, like, what new elements they'll be bringing in. Like, how much it'll incorporate old elements, how much it'll incorporate new elements. The, the future's an open, to, an open hand. Going back to previous, Stratocaster Sword. Yes. Here's the chance. Yes. Now's the chance. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I, I mean, with starring every... Ganondorf as a pimp. Nice. So, yes. Yeah. Every time I fire up that game, I'm just struck by like how amazing it is, and I have to remind myself that this is just. If this had just been like almost the exact same open world with some new dungeons and story and stuff, I would have been. Perfectly Happy, satisfied, even though you probably shouldn't have been. <laughs> yeah, but it would have been fine. It's like, this is great. And instead, they m built on it and built something way more interesting. and Something yeah, that, I, is, that is com complementary to the yes, original. But this that is what I want for Horizon. Can you imagine a, like that world with that sort of crafting like building being able to mesh together weird mechanical things from murdering cool robot dinosaurs and mm -hmm. like exploring old ruins without having to deal with platforming that was not great in the PS3 era <laughs> can, can, but can you imagine like the places they can take the series if they made a game like that and instead we just get get this and i still have to play it because like i said the world and the story are cool so you'll be grudging about the gameplay the entire time i certainly will but hey, i got a joke for you want to hear a joke real quick yes oh no what kind of guitar does bruce wayne play a batacaster <laughs> yes <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, yes, uh, well, and we all kind of groan duh. in unison. <laughs> uh, we all groan as though we just stepped on a rake. Um, how many people here have played Wild Hearts? It wasn't my kind of game, so I skipped it. I was yeah. given to understand it's basically a monster hunter. <laughs> yeah. It's on my list, um, but I still have enough actual monster hunter to play. <laughs> but. Uh, did you want to talk about some uh, another anything else you've been playing, Wheels? Or um, I've been playing too much else. I've been playing uh, well, still recovering in Quest, Dragon Quest Eleven wise, and it's not just because of the story element anymore. It's just <laughs> the next the next step I have is like to get some MacGuffins, um, mm -hmm. and like. Every time I sit down to play, I'm just like, well, I don't really know exactly where I'm going yet, so I'm going to play something where I have more of a clear object. But, uh, yeah, I fired You reach the point in the Dragon Quest that appears in every Dragon Quest where the game is like, hey, you got a bunch of stuff to yeah. find. You should go looking. Yeah, but I'll do, I'll do that soon. Uh, yeah, but, Act 3. Yep. Yeah, to uh, get some Dragon Quest in before that, I've been playing little Dragon Quest monsters. The Dark Prince, uh, which featuring 
sorrow. Yes. Which, like, uh, combat-wise, feels very much an evolution of the Joker games and um, the other 3DS Dragon Quest monsters we never got, officially. Uh, Terry's Wonderland? Terry's Wonderland and the other one. The DQ Monsters 2 remake, whose and, name I forget. And Joker 3. Caravan Heart. And oh yeah, no, Jared no, that's not. Oh, sorry. God, I... I heard. Sorry, I misheard. His Caravan Heart is Dragon Quest II's world. That's what I got mixed up. On. Okay. Yeah, what was that Caravan Heart? It's the exact I know it stars Kiefer, but yeah, it stars Kiefer. The world map is Dragon Quest II's world map. That's weird. Um, plus a slime island. Yep. And the major bosses are like demonic shadows of the Dragon Quest II heroes. Mm-hmm. I want to say the the second 3DS game other than Joker 3 that we didn't get was a remake of DQM2 on GBC. It, it is. I forget what it's called. Yeah. You know what? I have it right here. Hold on. <laughs> oh wait, the title's probably written do. in Japanese. So Yeah, good luck, yes. buddy. <laughs> Dipshit. But no, I have. Uh, um, I don't know if anyone remembers the collector's edition of Dragon Quest Heroes came with in yeah. like a little treasure chest. So I keep yeah, I had, keep a bunch wow. of uh, Dragon Quest 3DS games in there. I had a. So I, I, I kept that treasure chest and just had a bunch of like slime plushes sitting atop it. Nice. It's just uh, Dragon Quest Monsters Terry's Wonderland 3D. Okay. That's the that's, that's the remake of one. I thought. Yeah. And, there is definitely yeah. a remake of two. Uh, you're gonna have to look it up real quick, or it's gonna drive us insane. Okay, While you do that, uh, but I was just gonna say the uh, game plays fine. I haven't really noticed anything performance-wise. I know some people complained about um, the demo. It seems to run fine. It's got nice open areas for you to wander through. Um, Combat runs at a fine clip, and yeah, seems like a good Dragon Quest Monsters. I hope people actually play this one, but it's uh, doing well in Japan. That's good. <laughs> oh yeah, that's where they expect it to. We'll see. Oh, I looked on Play Asia, and of course, they don't have the translated title. Just gonna look up what Dragon Quest Monsters Two is called. Quest Monsters 2 3DS. Kobe and Tara's Marvelous Mysterious Key. Oh, yeah, Kobe and Tara. Whatever. Point is, uh, Dragon Quest. Um, Dragon Quest yes. Monsters, good. If you like Dragon Quest right. and you like monsters, you just want to, if you just want to go back to the world of Dragon Quest 4 but not play as any of the characters from it unless you played the bonus chapter from Dragon Quest IV on DS in the mobile version. Well, that's very uh, it's there for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's extremely specific, but yeah, it's there. Um, yeah, I want to hit... I dig it. Yeah. Uh, before I quickly dip into what I've been playing, I want to hit some of these questions Fireminer's been leaving for us. Uh, you've talked about developers keep porting and remaking a uh, few good games while well, they could have had 
could have spent the resources on doing remakes of games with unfulfilled potential. Does that discourse apply to consoles too? What is the console least deserving of a mini version? It's got to be the 2600 for me. People have been making plug and play 2600s as far as back as I can remember, and they still recently released some emulator machine called 2600 Plus that could not even play Pitfall 2. I would argue that a plug and play emulation collection of the 2600 does a disservice to the machine because it does not, like, it just strips away any sort of context or structure for, like, why you would, why or how you would play these games. And that any need to just sell 2600 collections was obviated by Digital Eclipse's uh, Atari 50 collection, which uh, contextualizes the games such that there is a reason to understand and learn why you would play them. Important. Good. Um, as for systems with uh, potential plug-and-plays that have unrealized potentials, I feel like there's the obvious ones, like Saturn and Dreamcast. Like There's a lot of games on those that it's hard to sell by themselves, but it would be nice to see them get re-released. It would be, but Sega is busy making probably a third Mega Drive Mini, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Jesus. If they do that, they'll be scraping the bottom of the barrel. Um, but yeah, like, it's, it's you know, uh, I, I feel like going off the beaten path, there's probably a potential in, say, a Neo Geo Pocket Color uh, collection beyond what they've done on the Switch, which has been nice, but, you know. Pocket Color is a neat little system that uh, not a lot of options for how to play it uh, currently. Otherwise, you run into the fact that like it honestly just makes more sense to just make like collections you can play on modern systems. There's not a lot of need for like the, the plug and play market is going for the cheap nostalgia. Uh, So the the issue is that they're also not for us specifically. You you would hope that uh, because they're for people who might not actually own a modern game system. So that's why they do things the way they do. But you would hope that they would, you know, make better ones. If uh, again, I feel like uh, when you just shove a bunch of old games onto a system, you you do kind of a malpractice by not contextualizing them in some fashion and that that gets worse the older and less self-explanatory the game is um also your screen's completely black now yeah, I know. I'm switching games and stuff. Okay. Okay. yeah i agree that 2600 is like i don't know like i i didn't grow up with it i got the nes as a kid so to me it's mm-hmm. like the probably 2600 i every time i try to play some of those games it's like i don't i just don't get it and I don't see why that needs another mini console. And it, it's actually had all of those cra- crappy at games consoles that were just garbage. So yeah. I don't know the why. The answer is uh, that it's extraordinarily cheap. Um, yeah. Um, so then, uh, and like you said, I, I would love to see Saturn, Dreamcast, N64. Like I was hoping they would just keep going with them, you know, Sega and Nintendo. Um, but. Sony, Sony has proven that they cannot be trusted to make these, so <laughs> yeah, maybe we don't I need don't... another PlayStation Mini. Even though, like, there's tons of PS2 games I'd love to see, tons of PS1 games to like. God, that PlayStation Mini is such garbage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would like a PS2 Mini that can actually accept a disc. 
That would, that would be fun. I'd buy that. I would buy that. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I they... got all the standees. Nice. Good work. Because it turns out... I don't know when these levels popped up. I didn't notice them, I guess. But in each world, there is a bonus coins galore level. Just for people like you. <laughs> just, and they just shower you with coins. So I now have 92 extra lives and an extra 93 purple coins that I will never spend on anything. <laughs> well, at least I knew what you needed. Uh, at least you have now reached closure. You can... Yes, I have all, all 144 standees, yes. And That's all fine. the badges and all of the purple coins, the, the big the purple flags. coins. And all. Yep, and all the seeds. And I got the sound off badge. Yep. And I beat That's the final, fine. final... I had to do the final, final course twice because of the first time I missed the top of the flagpole. So I had to go through it. Oh, no. So I went through it again as Nabbit. I'm like, fuck it, I'm playing Nabbit. And it was the a tenth. little bit easier. Until you get to the last part where you're invisible and you plummet to your death because you can't see your character. Hey, Tim. As Fireminer points out, the, the actual practicalities of making uh, portable emulation systems for PS2 and Dreamcast era is that they are... Difficult enough, they are powerful enough that a cheap solution to emulate them is still kind of expensive. But someday, one day. Same issue with Saturn. You still want, you still kind of want something that isn't just the same handful of uh, Genesis NES 2600 and Super NES games that we always get. That's the dream. Yep. Also, as it turns out, uh, you know what? Just give me access to the original Xbox library because it's full of weird garbage. Mm. There is just zero human beings that want to go back and play uh, Blood Wake or uh, Azuric Rise of Parathia. But there are weird shit like uh, Gun Valkyrie that will never show up on anything ever again. <laughs> Tim brings up Crimson Seas. As we can Fire brings up BM, BMX. BMX triple X. Yeah, BMX triple X. Yeah, let's, I, I fully remember that. Um, I still think that the funniest thing about that complete dog shit video game is that uh, aside from the fact that it... Uh, th this part isn't funny, this just sucks, but the fact that like it was... Uh, horrendously sexist all, caused people to miss the fact that it's also horrendously racist. Oh. And those two facts caused people to forget that it actually has like truly absurd multiplayer modes that involve like one person is riding around on a bicycle while the other person attempts to shoot them with a gun. What? Like, it, it is a Matryoshka doll of, uh, like, weirder and dumber ideas. I do remember Outlaw Golf as well. Also, Tam is saying you're coming off quiet on the stream wheels. Yeah, I don't really know why. Maybe I'm just mumbling. Noted mumble lord. But, yeah. Uh, the, the original Xbox is full of uh, games that aren't per se good, but uh, that I find fascinating, so I want more ways to play them. 
The Xbox emulation scene kind of sucks. The Fire Miner says, a few years ago you talked on the show about the advantage of mini consoles being your average consumer could just buy one and plug it into the TV. That got me thinking, how much does your average consumer know about modding consoles? Nothing. Uh, like Very adding HDMI to your NES, like adding HDMI to the NES or replacing the GameCube disc loading mechanism with an ISO loader, just absolutely you've you're you're speaking you're speaking in tons to the the average person on that. Um, back in the day, everyone I knew who had a PS2, Xbox, or 360 modded their consoles, but felt like after the second, seventh gen, the idea of console mods mods just vanished. I feel like, especially in the U.S., people like the the only time that that kind of thing broached into the mainstream. Uh, in terms of like this isn't even modding, but just this idea of like you can do things with your console to get access to games that they that you don't expect was you know like flashcards on the DS and to a lesser extent hacking the PSP. Like those two things became mainstream enough that they actually hurt the software market. But like in terms of like doing actual hardware mods, like at least in the US the majority of consumers would be like, I don't want to break this thing that I bought. Yeah. Also, it's something really easy, like shaving off part of a Famicom cartridge to fit into a Super Nintendo. Even, even... That was great. But, like, even even if you... Even something like that, you'd run into, like, there, there were definitely, like things you could do like oh i want to play japanese ps2 games well there's a thing you can do where you remove a bit of the the like face plate that keeps the keeps you from accessing the disc tray and you swap discs blah 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 and even that is going to be like enough people are like i don't want to hurt this thing that i bought with money uh i think that's what at least in the u.s that's kind of what you end up with uh, at the cost of making myself sound like a hypocrite, uh, since I run a lot of emulators, but am I the only person who prefers people mod their consoles to keep them operational and more comfortable to use instead of buying the mini consoles? It's probably because I'd love to keep all consoles out of the landfill and resources being dedicated to something completely new. Uh, I mean, like, in general, like, I'm personally of two minds about that. Like, I want to keep old systems functional, but I also, like, have this weird preference for like i'd like the old systems to function like they did when they were new instead of having a whole bunch of weird shit grafted into them but that's me being very precious about it and not really practical uh but in general like i don't have a particular desire for things to like i didn't play old games on hdmi i don't particularly need them to look that sharp because that's not how I think of them. So personally, I don't do that sort of thing. The the most modifying you'd see me do of an old console personally is doing something to get it operational again rather than to try to upgrade its functionality. Uh, and then the question of what percent of PS2s do you think have died? I mean... The disk drives and those things are not hardy. I would imagine that that number is, if we're not even if we're not counting things that just got thrown out, which is probably a tragically high number. I would imagine that by this point, that number is probably creeping up towards like forty to fifty percent. Yeah, that uh, reminds me. I need to plug mine in next week to see if it's still working. Mm-hmm. 
they don't usually like break just from not moving at least they just tended to burn out okay mine's regret. probably safe yeah it's probably safe all right here's the season to make sure that all my other co little consoles are still working it's like i know 3ds is still functional i need to double check the ps on no, the vita and uh unfortunately my game boy Advan my game boy sp no. Still not. Oh no, I mean, I've been trying to resuscitate that thing for six months now, it's just yeah. not happening and I still can't yeah. get the uh I still can't open up the back to can't change get the, the battery. Back casing off. Yeah, no, I found a uh, Game Boy Advance in Pikmin four. Oh wow. <laughs> you yeah. do tend to find those. I think it's an SP. Hold on, I took a picture of it because it was neat. Um was and I don't it, know what they actually it, call it in the game. A flip thing? Or... It is a Game Boy Advance SP. It is blue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was kind of the iconic SP color. Was that sort of Arctic blue or whatever they called it? So Yeah, let me check and see. What did they actually call it in the game? I'm going to launch it. Hang on. So that's Fire it. Miner officially if anyone... done with Mario Wonder. Nice. Fireminer asks if anyone remembers using Game Shark to play Super Famicom games on the Super NES. That was the nice thing about the fact that up through the N64, Nintendo's regional lockouts were just, well, the cartridge won't fit. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could find yeah. some way to, if you could find some pass through to make it fit, it was fine. <laughs> it's like, yeah, the main difference between the Super Famicom and Super Nintendo um, cartridges was just this little ridge thing on the inside that you could shave off with the drill bit. Yep, the N64, they had, they were in exactly the same shape, except for little tabs uh, on the corners, so you could uh, either do some crea creative work for, with the cartridge itself, or you could just open up the N64 and remove its dust cover. Because the dust cover was the thing that actually physically prevented uh, Japanese cartridges from fitting in a North American uh, N64. Not that there's much worth importing on the N64, but it's fascinating. Unless you're the world's biggest I Wonder Project J2 fan. Anyway. You can play Wonder Project J2 or that weird-ass Shogi game that has like uh, the ability to like connect to the internet built directly into the cartridge. That's for someone. Not sure who. Not I do want to. I do want to imagine like the one American who like imported a net-enabled Shogi game. They must be the weirdest motherfucker on the planet. <laughs> like it, it, it's one of the things I've been thinking about repeatedly over the past like month. It's just like. There must be, like, one dude, like, one extremely strange dude in Japan that's just, like, the Japan's biggest Mortal Kombat fan, and he must be the weirdest motherfucker on the planet. <laughs> and I, I want... I mean, that describes a Japanese superfan, yes. Yeah, and it's like, I want to meet that person just once in my life to just ask him why he is like he is, and I'm sure he won't have an answer, but it'll be fascinating. The uh, Game Boy Advance is called the Stone of Advancement in Pikmin 4. Yeah. <laughs> and just noticing that the the potato is called Child of the Earth, which is interesting because in French they say 
le pomme de terre, which literally yeah. translates to apple of the earth. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in German, it's Erdapple. <laughs> cool. So, I mean, this is not an uncommon thing. Yeah. Fireminer assures me there is a bar in Tokyo where Japanese Mortal Kombat fans go to, and I'm... God, if I ever... Next time, I, when I visit Japan, I will have to find that bar just to see... Just to see what they're like. <laughs> true, true story. Several years ago, when my parents were visiting Kumamoto, we, we stopped by Kurokawa Onsen up in the mountains mm -hmm. after yeah. visiting my wife's family. And mm -hmm. some guys had set up a min... One of those Super Nintendo minis mm. with Street Fighter 2 Turbo. And a projector. Oh yeah. So they had like a like a a rollout projector, and uh, so it was a big screen version of the game, and they were just doing versus play. Nice. On the street, uh, on this little um, little walking street in the middle of the on onsen town. Hmm. I mean, that's fun. <laughs> yep. Very Japanese there. Yes. Yeah. Also, Fireminer asks, is Spawn a Christmas movie? I have never subjected myself to watching the Spawn film, so I can't say. Maybe? <laughs> Did you watch this, Will? Yeah, my brother is a huge Spawn fan, so of course I've seen it. How do you feel about the Super Nintendo Spawn game made by Ukiyote? Don't think I played that. Not bad, actually. Got really nice sprite work. Nice. Let's see. Okay, Ukiyote. It's Ukiyote. Was a. Uh, it was like a Japanese developer. I want to say it was a bunch of ex Capcom people or something. They made like the Hook game as well for some reason. Let me see. Hook. Yeah, Ukiyote uh, made the Super Nintendo Hook, Sky Blazer, Todd McFarlane spawned the video game, and uh, a, a hallmark of my childhood, Punky Skunk. <laughs> and then they died. Rip. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, Let's see. Uh, but yeah. Oh yeah, and before I forget, uh, just to run down what I was playing this past week, I played more uh, Tengai Makyo, I played more uh, Like a Dragon Gaiden, making progress steadily in both, and today I booted up uh, Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. Nice. Which is running quite nicely on the new computer. Uh, and it's, it's just, it is a fun video game. Uh, I just, I, I appreciate, uh, the combination of a potentially, depending upon your difficulty mode, more forgiving soul style game with the, uh, narrative madness of Kazushige Nojima. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like, uh, I, I find the characters endearing. That that feels nice after not finding the characters endearing in the last Final Fantasy game I played. Um, but that game's great. I need to play more of it. 
Yeah, also the DLC, like the whole season pass is currently $9. So I might pick that up. I bought because, it after you mentioned that. Yeah, because I mean, like, it's, it's $9. It's $9. That's <laughs> it's not a lot. It's not a lot. Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, just enjoying that. Uh, I love... I just love the the extremely realistic uh, style character designs of like uh, Jack, Ash, and Jed. And anytime I run into something like a cactuar that's just running around making them look like absolute fucking clowns. <laughs> like it's it's so much more fun for cactuars to look like they should be incapable of locom locomotion while running circles around like an actual human mm. of cactuars. Tam uh, says he picked up all the D DLC from Eugen Soul Z. I have many questions. I don't feel like they're we'll satisfactory answers. Why? But also, but yeah, stranger. Why? But yeah, Stranger of Paradise, that's a fun game. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's also uh, got, they got some great art design and a lot of love letters to uh, just to the Final Fantasy series in general. So that's been it's nice. It's just, it's just nice. I do, I do feel a strong urge to play FF15 again. I'll need to do that at some point, but for now, for now, for now, I'm just enjoying Stranger of Paradise. And uh, that's uh, that's that's enough for now. But uh, yeah, so that's that's what I've been playing. We've finally, after a full hour and a half. <laughs> Uh, gotten through that segment, although we at least interspersed some questions, so I don't feel too bad. Um, <laughs> uh, let's let me go take a look at. Uh, Let me just quickly go to the podcast section, see if there's anything. Okay, nothing new. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, let me hit some of these other things that have been in the... Uh, the Fire Miner left in the chat from late November... Uh, okay. uh, I'm trying to hit some of the stuff that we haven't yet. Um, I think we hit that. Excuse me. Huh. Thanks, man. 
Um, okay, this is the first one I don't think we've hit. I'm going to trim this down to make it more contained. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something you said about the decrease in media literacy and entertainment having to quote-unquote spell out everything. What do you think about the opposite, claiming there's subtext or irony where none exist? comes to video games, as an example, I've seen people talking about the deliberate irony of the modern warfare games making America looking worse than oh, uh, preferred villain Russia. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, we're going to trim this down just a teeny tiny bit. Um, what are other examples of people making shit up to say the game is deeper than it is? Uh, I think for the most part, like, this is a problem if they can't, if the argument they make is unpersuasive, or if the game, the, the purchase that they're making is going to the opposite of what they hope for based on this interpretation. But, I think fundamentally the problem is less finding things where they aren't because so much of art is interpretation, but in the sense that oftentimes I would find the argument for irony to be fundamentally unpersuasive. Uh, I know that speaking in this sense, there is an eternal debate about how uh, whether the open world segments of No More Heroes by Goichi Suda was and grasshopper manufacturer his team there whether those were meant to be uh essentially ironic given that they were open world segments wherein uh the world of santa destroy was completely empty hollow of any uh human life and whether that was supposed to be a commentary on open world games whether it was a commentary on uh the uh, west coast of the United States and uh, being a cultural wasteland or whether it was just that the uh, that they had not had the time and budget to fill them out with something. Uh, ultimately, the, the answer, uh, as with many of these things, I would say, is that the argument for there being irony has to be undergirded with, if, if this is meant to be ironic, what are they saying I buy that irony, and if you can't come up with a good enough answer, I'm just going to say I don't care. Um, a lot of art interpretation involves bringing your own thoughts and ideas to the text, and so there's always going to be stuff that is interpreted into it that the artist did not conceive of. Uh, I and I I don't super care about intent in that sense, but I do you know, ultimately come to the conclusion of it's, it doesn't matter. It, what matters is whether you could make a persuasive argument. And I think that in the case of, if you were trying to say that, say, Call of Duty was being ironic, that for most of them, you would have a very difficult argument. You would have a very uphill battle to make that argument. Uh, that's uh, That would be my personal argument. Uh, if anyone else has an opinion on this subject, let me know. Yeah, works for me. I mean, the first thing that came to mind was actually an, the opposite of non of lacking mm-hmm. subtext, but like the the entire lore horror subgenre mm-hmm. of video games, mm-hmm. where I mean they they intentionally don't I mean like some of these sound, some of these just feel like the video game equivalent of Lost, where 
originally it was just kept very vague just because the writer didn't want to bother with it and then suddenly people started grabbing onto ideas maybe it was this maybe that and so subsequent games had to keep building up this idea five nights at freddy's is actually the first one i'm thinking of here mm-hmm. um where you so by so if the series goes on long enough you end up with this incredibly bizarre and like safely safe for kids lovecraftian backstory mm-hmm. and then you get a movie that sure, quite likely was never originally the intent of the creator, but it somehow ended up that way anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that one of the things that uh, the so people people tend to not think very uh, clearly about is that complicated plots. Like, a a pre-planned plot is usually not the most complicated plot. The most complicated plot comes from you don't know how long you'll be telling a story. And so you just keep adding things to it. Because, okay, I guess I'm still going. And then, you know, the things build on and compound upon themselves. And that's why you get things like Five Nights at Freddy's or Kingdom Hearts or anything like that where it's just like someone made something and it turned out well, so they kept making it. But they didn't have a strong... There was no strong guy... The plot was not originally the point. It was an mm-hmm. excuse to do things. But now the plot has to be kind of a driving factor because it needs to. there needs to be an excuse to keep going, and it was not built to keep going. Yes. And so stuff and that, accretes. And it's this weird subgenre of... Yeah. A, a, or approach to video game design... And so you have you have games that attempt to actually recreate this phenomenon and fail. Create this on purpose, which is very very yeah. strange because it is it is exactly the like it is a symptom that is not even unique to games of just what happens when you know you see it a lot. Like people describe it as uh, comic book or soap opera stories, which are much the same. Mm-hmm. You keep talking, you keep telling a story. You don't know how long you'll have to. <laughs> yep. I was going to say, no, I mean, soap, I mean, comic book stories pretty much are soap opera stories. Yeah, and but with like more, the reason that they... Hmm? With more punches. Yeah, but like, I mean, the reason that these kinds of mm-hmm. stories go so brutally insane is because they, you know, it, it is just constantly like, okay, uh, like if you were being, t- if you were trying to tell a story and every time you thought you were coming to an ending, someone says, and then... And you just had to keep going until they stopped saying and then. And then. And then. And then? No, and then. And then, and then, and then, Sorry. You were saying, Gudge? I mean, to say, there's multiple classic children's novels, including The Hobbit and Thomas the Tank Engine, that that's pretty much how it happened. Where the author was originally telling it to his kids, and the kids kept going, and then, and then, and then, and ended up with a book. Kids were causing confusion and delay. No, I mean, in the case of Chris Tolkien, he actually forced his dad to come up with a canon eyeball for The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings because his dad got tired of getting the inconsistencies pointed out to him in the retellings. Dad got tired of his his fucking know-it-all son saying, that's not what you said last time. I have a new appreciation for <laughs> yes. Tolkien. Almost, yes, uh, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. 
Incredible. Oh, you want me to write all this shit and that's down? literally how The Hobbit happened. I'm gonna write books yep. that are that define all this fucking shit, kid. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's how The Hobbit happened. That's, that's how Thomas the Tank Engine originally happened. That's how Doctor Doolittle happened through letters. But yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they they inevitably it's it's the sort of thing that like if you never if you are not allowed to just say and now it's over. Eventually, your stories go insane. <laughs> Dragon Ball! Yep. <laughs> Eventually, your stories go insane. Yeah, uh, right after the Freezer saga. Because that's where. I, I would honestly say that, like, the, the. On some level, the Saiyan saga was absolutely things going insane. Because it's like, well, I ran out of story. Well, tell more story. Okay, aliens. Actually, that's actually kind of how it happened. was... Um, the original manga was supposed to end with Goku and Chi-Chi riding off into the sunset, and they they started demanding more stuff, which is yep. how you end up with a three-year jump, aliens. a baby, and then suddenly aliens. And then he wanted to end it at the end of the Frieza saga, for real, and they still wouldn't let him stop. <laughs> and that's how we got everything now, else after that. Now time travel. And I'm I'm really ready to be done now. Goku is dead and says he does not want to come back to life. So we'll make this Keep Thunderstar going, for a while. Yeah. Keep going. And let's well, not the entire arc, the, the entire arc of the food. anime that got made just because just the, they needed to give him more time to write the next section. Yeah. Uh, Fireminer says, should I make my niece and nephews hate me by making them watch Downey Jr.'s do a little... Why would you do that to them? Why? I mean, honestly, <laughs> how old are the kids and they might enjoy it anyway? You never know. Kids don't always have the same level of taste. The Eddie Murphy Dr. Doodle. I remember My that, that one too. I, I did not watch it. I remember seeing it for it. <laughs> yes. The only version that my daughters have not seen is the is the Rex Harrison version. So. And so honestly, they like... It, they liked both the Eddie Murphy version and the Robert Downey Jr. version mainly for the Funny animals doing funny stuff. I mean that that is a that is a surefire hit with the kids. Mm -hmm. yeah. yep. So, um, so Fire Miner, if you're if you're if your nieces or nephews, whoever it is, are between the ages of four and eight years old, they will probably enjoy it anyway. So there's no punishment involved. So that may be for you, for having to watch it too. Oh, I mean, he doesn't have to actually pay attention. It's true. Whenever yeah. I whenever I think of. Dr. Doolittle, I instead end up just thinking of the fucking Simpsons B-Sharps joke of fucking Chief Wiggum trying to sing a song from Dr. Doolittle. Uh, I could talk with the animals, walk with the talk animals. Talk with the animals. And, and, and then and it's just Wiggum in a, a fly. mustache, and then he jumps out the window, right? <laughs> yeah, he just scrapes yeah. his first when a fly jumps out the window and injures himself. <laughs> Okay, let's hit another one. Oh, I was from. I was watching. Um, I watched every, the Office Christmas episode. They're all pure mm -hmm. gold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially the one where Dwight finally gets back at Jim with snowballs and snowmen, and it, it's insane. It's great it's a nightmare. Okay, so. let's let's hit one that I think only Gaijin will be able to speak any kind of authoritatively on. Just how not exciting uh -huh. is the cultural life in Japanese in any Japanese city not named Tokyo, Yokohama, Osaka, Nagoya, Sapporo, or Kobe? 
but the, the <laughs> cultural life? He I says mean, cultural life. I, I assume daily life is really what's meant here. I mean, aside from those cities, there's plenty of other cities in Japan. It's just those have to yeah. be the largest ones. Um, mm -hmm. I think he mostly I mean, means outside of a big city. <laughs> again, define a big city, because I'm currently in a small city of over a million people. Oh, wow. And it gets referred to as the countryside by people from Tokyo. <laughs> okay. It's actually so kind of hard small, to live truly outside, uh, truly out of range of a city. <laughs> yep. So, okay, so let's see. Let's imagine here. Um, okay, between here and Fukuoka City, there's a city called Tosu. Mm -hmm. And Tosu looks like it could have been the place that Persona 4's town was based on. Finally, Inaba in real life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it has a very similar... Like it's about the same size, has a similar um, just design feel to it, and it's also mm. built up almost entirely around its outlet mall at this point. Yes. Great day, young life. But yeah. Um, so there are there are plenty of towns like that in Kuma, in uh, Japan, and they tend to go to Fukuoka or Kumamoto or Kagoshima or one of the other actual bigger named cities on the island to do stuff mm -hmm. on the weekends. Mm -hmm. So, um, just for things to do, um, the prefectural capitals will all have something going on, even if it's not much in the case of Saga. Um, mm -hmm. And so, I mean, there'll be, there's museums, there's parks, there's aquariums, there, there, um, there is usually a nightlife area in town mm -hmm. um activity may vary drastically over the past three years haha -ha. <laughs> for um, some reason yeah for for some reason yes um so uh, really it's a lot of it's just basically how hard do you want to go looking mm -hmm. and how good are you at just meeting people it's less exciting than being in a city but that tends to be what it's like being in a slightly more rural area <laughs> I mean, this is still a city, so... Yeah. Yeah. Relative. I, I have lived in these slightly more rural areas. This is definitely still a city. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, if Tokyo is your baseline for cities, then everywhere else is not a city. Mm. Except maybe Mexico City and New York City and Los Angeles. Paris, London, a few others. There's maybe ten cities on the planet, then. A few in China as well, but yeah. Yeah, we'd be talking about like exceptions, but the point is like giant cities that house like millions and millions and millions of people. Uh, yeah, but again, just just to hammer home how much of an outlier Tokyo is. So most cities in Japan, like Kumamoto's level, or, uh, Kumamoto or Fukuoka's level, have subdivisions called um, just wards. Yeah, like north ward, south ward, east ward, whatever. Tokyo's subdivisions are called cities. <laughs> Because Tokyo at this point, I mean, there's the central Tokyo that used to be the actual city of Tokyo, and now there's every other city in the area that has been merged into one greater metropolitan area that is just Tokyo. Mm -hmm. There is no Tokyo prefecture anymore. It is just Tokyo. It, don't, it no longer makes sense. <laughs> AK, um, Tokyo, Osaka, and Kyoto have specific non-prefectural government 
organization de- definitions. Mm-hmm. Because they effectively to... combine city and prefecture. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you made New York City... Like, if you made the entire New York City metro area its own state. Separate from everything else. And, I mean, this, I mean, we're talking about, like, taking New York City, Long Island, part of New Jersey, and probably half of Connecticut with it. Hey. And just mer- and just merging it into one. Yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. Give me my state back. And just, mer- and just make, no. it, make it its own polity. That is Tokyo. <laughs> we wouldn't even call it a state. It would be something else. Yes, exactly. Um, that's why the mayor of Tokyo actually has more political clout than most of the governors in this country. Which makes sense. I mean, given yeah. given how much he's technically in charge of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. Comparing anywhere else in Japan to Tokyo is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um the reason most games seem to be set in Tokyo is just because you can create your own personalized mini city and say that it's somewhere in Tokyo and people will believe it. It's just, yeah. It works. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, to hit some more of these, there's a related question. Why haven't we gotten any games about one of Japan's flyover prefectures? Like, why isn't there a ninja game set in Ego of all places? I don't know enough to speak authoritatively on that. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, you got Persona 4. Yeah, that's as close as you get. Like, And that game is entirely like framed around like everyone saying that like nothing happens here except for this set of murders that are happening right now. That is the plot of the game. Yeah. So talking about murders. I mean, I can think of plenty of games set in Japan that have sequences out in the countryside. That's pretty mm. common. Um, um, for games that were never released outside of Japan, Taisho Mononoke Ibunroku hmm. was a gust game. It has a basically has a prototype of the Artanelico battle engine, mm. and um, it's Demon Slayer twenty years early. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's set in the same time period as De- Demon Slayer. It has a very similar aesthetic going on, just because that is the time period, and mm. it is definitely more rural. Mm. So. Yeah. I do think the one of the things you'd run into with this sort of thing is that these would be even less likely to be localized. <laughs> Very much Just, so. I mean, like lot, most of the Goemon games would possibly count here. Yeah, we never we. Very rarely got those as well. They just made a spiritual su- successor to Goemon that looks quite good, and we didn't get it. Yeah, I mean, any of the action-adventure games that are set in semi-historical or semi-mythical Japan will be similar to what he's asking for. Yeah, they, they least, do happen. At least for half- yeah. Or, uh... Well, Live Alive's Samurai, uh, Ninja Chapter was just one castle. So. Mm-hmm. But it did have scenes. Yeah. That were definitely not in a big city. Um... Yeah, I mean, if the game is somehow riffing on an old Kurosawa film, then sure, it's going to be historical and samurai. Yeah, but sa- modern. Like... Yeah, 
Yeah, the the yeah, way from... of the samurai games tended to have at least a couple of them were set in kind of this concept as well. But yeah, um, any game that is set in modern or near modern or near future Tokyo, oh, Japan is going to be somehow in Tokyo. For the mm-hmm. reason mentioned before, where you can just fit more stuff in Tokyo than you could imagine being in Tokyo. Um, uh, let me see. What was this fucking Goemon style game actually called? Fuck. Um, Let's see. There uh, was Muramasa. Uh, and um, I guess Izuna would count as well. Mm-hmm. And of course, multiple Tengai Makyo games just for being an absolute parody of everything that was Japan in the first place. Yeah, you run into... You wander all over Japan in those. Yep. Or, finger quotes, Japan. Japan. Muramasa. That was... Muramasa was brought up. Yes. Yeah, Obero Muramasa. Yeah, you go all around the... Yeah, that was a great game. Okay, yeah. Otogi Katsugeki Mamida no Bakeru. That's the Goemon style game that just came out. Well, actually, I think back here, I've seen that one, like in the magazine. Yeah, it looks really fun, and sadly, we just don't seem to be getting it unless something changes very soon. Yeah, Otogi uh, Katsugeki Mam Edano Bakeru. It's yeah, it's starring a Tanuki, isn't it, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure precisely but the character design and just general aesthetic definitely brings to yeah. mind the old goemon games yeah the main character is a tanuki and mm-hmm. bakeru is the japanese verb for to transform mm, that makes sense and so it so it shows up in like certain fairy tales involving tanuki yeah like the yeah they have that power yeah i mean the actual word shows up in the titles of these of these stories sometimes mm-hmm yeah, I hope that that game gets an English release. I don't want to have to import it, but it looks like it would be a decent import, so I might do that anyway. <laughs> uh, let's see. Briefly hit some more of these. Uh... Yeah, we talked about the ironic visual novels. We talked about that. Talked about that. We talked about that, yeah. Related to the previous question, do you think it requires a single genius auteur like Tolkien to create a great setting on that scale? Should we accept the lows of Fallout, Elder Scrolls, or even D&D world building as a result of having multiple people with different voice visions working on the same thing, most of them just a bit above the average? I mean, I think that a lot can come from just, like, even indirectly collaborative work like that. And you know, like it's, it's, there's the issues usually not with the people doing the actual writing or scenario setting. Mm. I'd say it's 
it's more often it's with the people who are telling these people what to do. Yeah, um, I do think I, I do think I'll, I'll step in and say like as much as you know, there's a great deal, a, a great uh, a great deal to be said for a setting like Middle Earth. I like settings that aren't a hundred percent consistent. I like mm-hmm. the things that come from different people bringing their own uh, like ideas and hangups to a setting. Like the problems I'll have are not that the setting isn't consistent as long as the stories are good. The problems I'll have is when like the stories are are bad because <laughs> and that's usually a deeper symptom. Uh, but like I, I admit I am not a settings and lore guy. So like. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'll admit, like the the Lord of the Rings, as much as I respect it as a as a work of prose, it bores me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's one of those things that, like, you you're, at least in as far as like uh, as I'm the person who never shuts up on this podcast, you're asking the wrong person. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure what anyone else's opinion here would be on this. Eh. <laughs> Good enough. Wheel seems to have mentally shut down at some stage. I am losing, uh, losing it. I'm very tired. Okay. Yeah, I would pull up one of the 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 big question list, but it has not yet been transferred from my old computer, so can't actually look at it right now. Uh, I'll get back to that next week. We'll finish out strong, but. Uh, we should probably close up shop before Wheels actually dies before the Lord. Um, so, uh, not to be not to cut and run, but Gaijin, I need to I need to know about reading material opportunities. Oh, we we were just discussing um, world building with the eyes of an auteur and. Um, <laughs> Details going all the way down, and um, well, we—I do have a nice little series that was not started top-down planning for world building, and was in fact um, rather ad hoc for the first six episodes. To be honest, <laughs> um, to the point where, to the point where, in the in the meta story, the one the uh, game master is discussing with another character the concept of retcons. Mm-hmm. Um, That's cute. <laughs> yeah. And so, so there have been times where parts of the story were were latently retconned mm-hmm. through discussion in the meta story. But yes, so yes, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, uh, a story about playing games, not necessarily being in the game, but just playing it. Um, so if you enjoy tabletop role-playing games, if you enjoy watching other people play tabletop role-playing games, um, which, again, is its own thing, blah, 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 da, da. And if you don't mind reading this in ebook or Dead Tree narrative format, we have, again, we have Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, mm-hmm. which I have been told has some very interesting and wonderful world-building. They have even deigned to mention, to uh, specify this in a review on Amazon. Which, All right, that's always nice. Please, please, more reviews, people, please. Okay, I have not actually gotten any feedback on anything in official format for um, too many months at this point. Um, 
So, yes, so we have currently 12 episodes, three side stories, soon to be four, hopefully, um, and one really long paralogue novel. So that's plenty of reading material for the holidays, about 460,000 words of it, maybe. Terrifying. Got it. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, it, it started of episode 11, when half the cast is frantically catching up on summer reading, and one character is mentioned as reading one of those books that is attempting to, or one of those middle school series that's attempting to outdo War and Peace in 50 easy installments. Um, I'm making fun of my own series there. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit of self-acknowledgement there. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, that's... And then right afterwards, I freely paraphrase my one three-star review. I know. <laughs> yes. I've mentioned this before. It's really... I, I just love saying it was just one thing to do. Um, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah g give a review. You might get paraphrased. If it's if it's obnoxious enough, but maybe don't don't take that as a challenge. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, the uh, the the time um, the moment has passed there, but, mm. but yeah. Anyway, um, perfect reading for the holidays. There will be a um, there will be the author's birthday sale next month. If you really want to hold out that long, but it's, either way, it's not that expensive. Um, we were just talking about how getting. Certain DLCs for nine dollars was a steal. Well, you get you can get quite a lot for nine dollars with this series. You you can get most so, of a series with that. Yeah, quite a lot. So it's enough. To and keep if you're you interested in Dead Tree format, it is still ludicrously ludicrously um, discounted for three out of four books. And I still do Amazon's not know why insane robots. <laughs> yeah, I still do not know why the second book is always full price. So. The first one's free. Well, it's not actually, but the first hit is much cheaper. And then for some reason, the third one as well, but not the second one. The second one, you pay full price. <laughs> I mean, these are the paperback collections, so yeah. But yes, the episode one is of the e-books is the cheapest. Hmm. So. Which makes sense. But yeah, you know, give it a look. Be adventurous. And, you know, maybe consider it for the, uh, for the, for the young adult in your life. Yes. But, uh, yeah, you can find that at Amazon, Michael Yarimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U. Thank you very much. Hmm. Uh, Tam is not here to plug the RP Gamer streams, but uh, I am sure that there's probably some limited streaming going on given the holidays. People are usually off doing one thing or another. I can't imagine that everyone is making time to stream at all that time, but there's plenty of VODs you can look up, and in the new year, I'm sure there will be plenty of streams once again to fill your time, fill your while away your daily hours with when you've got the time, and uh, at least one person who will fit the tastes of any RPG fan. Uh, you can also catch... Uh, Dear, dear friend Joe, who has been quiet for the past hour, uh, in the oh. uh, on his Twitch and YouTube channels, both at Smoke and Joe Gamer. Uh, check those out uh, if you want to check the archives. The YouTube channel is probably the better bet. Uh, yes. As he mentioned earlier in this podcast, there is uh, the the schedule is currently a lie. Someday it will be the truth, though. <laughs> so keep an eye out. Uh, yeah. I've got to take a look at it and then remember how to actually go in there and change it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, yeah, so it's Twitch, it's YouTube, and currently, let's see. Um, I'm just looking at my videos here. Hang on one second. Um, view channel, let's see. Okay, yes, there are 239 videos on the YouTube channel now. Uh, going all the way wow. back to two years ago, Street Fighter V with Ask Wheels. <laughs> wow. Good times. And then, oh, my first Spooky Hollow stream two years ago. Mm-hmm. Only got one view. And then you could be number two. Give it a look. <laughs> so yeah, so going, mm-hmm. so yes, yeah, so over the past two years, I have gotten 239 videos on YouTube. Most of them are just transferred over from twitch but lately i've been doing more videos that are specifically for youtube so Hmm. yeah i have 26 subscribers now wow help him hit the triple digits that's the big time wait well it's it's nice (laughs) yeah uh yeah um as for as for us, we will. You can catch us at uh, if you want to ask us questions. You can catch us when we stream at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern on Thursdays. Uh, if you get if you catch us, we can you can ask questions in the chat, like dear friend Fireminer did. Uh, we'd like to thank the thank Fireminer for providing uh, questions that keep us uh, at least vaguely talking about something that isn't just. Uh, descending into tangents while we think about what we've been playing. So many thanks for that one. We do we um, do enough of that anyway. <laughs> we, yes. oh, we can tangent for I can tangent for days. Um, but yeah, uh, if you wanna, if you just can't get enough of this, you can uh, catch usually uh, me, Wheels, and Joe streaming whatever the hell uh, every Sunday. Uh, at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, uh, Sunday night shenanigans that uh, I don't know that we have any sort of actual plan this coming Sunday, but we apparently yes. will be doing it. It will be literally Christmas Eve. Star Russian and probably a little Cthulhu saves Christmas. Uh, thank God someone had to save Christmas. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, you can also that ask. game has a new game plus mode, which I'll poke around with. New Christmas Plus. I did did beat that last Christmas. Mm -hmm. Uh, We need to come up with a parody of last Christmas about Cthulhu driving people insane. I I remember Uh, when we did the review and I I helped whoever was writing the review um, take his original intro and then redo it as an actual Visit from St. Nick parody. That's awesome. Um, That's a nightmare. Um, But also, bravo. Uh, yeah. If you, like, if you, you, don't wanna... you know how we usually uh, we have to do the when we first mention the title in the game in the review we have to do it boldface and linked. Yeah. So, so we, um, I um, he managed to get it so that the last line of the pe- of the parody poem was mm-hmm. the title. Perfect. Yes. <sighs> uh, yeah. Uh, just just to finish out the plugs. Uh, you can ask us questions in the comments section underneath this very episode if you're on RP Gamer, uh, and you can also ask us questions from within the Discord, which you can get to by going to the community tab of RP Gamer. 
uh, and that'll get you an invite. It's a lovely community, whether you want to ask us questions in its podcast section or not, but we always do appreciate questions. Once again, thank you to Fireminer for providing these this week. But otherwise, I think that closes us out. So see you, Space Cowboys. Have a Merry Christmas if you somehow hear this beforehand. <laughs> you will, maybe. Hopefully, probably not. <laughs> well, that was the least committal thing I've ever seen. See you, Space Cowboys. <laughs> yeah.